This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation. This is Allison Kay. We have a guest today that is, I'm going to actually use this term, a tsunami of information when it comes to being a business builder and about startups. And so I feel like this is a, a double feature that we have with our guest today. We are going to talk about uh, deconstructing disruption, and he's got great experiences um, helping companies in those early days, if you've ever heard of a small company called Dollar Shave Club, he has insights into that story and others, as well as a topic near and dear to my heart, and that is marketing and automation and quantitative analysis in your marketing tools. And he is the CEO and co-founder of Posties. So Dave Fink, welcome to the program. You have a lot to live up to now. That, that was uh, that was uh, flattering and overwhelming, but thank you. <laughs> so give I I, I kind of gave the big picture, but but give our listeners an idea of some of the stops that you've made along your your career path here, and how you have helped other entrepreneurs and startups. Sure, it's uh, it's a little uh, crazy to to think back that 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 I've been involved in, in the consumer internet space for about 25 years now. It's, it, it really does seem like I'm still that fresh out of college, um, you know, aspirational uh, person, um, but it has been a number of years. Uh, I really, I fell, my, fell into the, the, the industry early on um, uh, at, a, at a startup um, in, in Chicago uh, as a kid that just needed a job. And, um, and quite frankly, didn't know what I was getting myself into, but um, but fell in love with with the idea of of being able to come up with a crazy idea and the power that technology and the internet provided to be able to turn that into an actual business and in some cases very scalable business. If I you know kind of think through my career, I've, I've oscillated back and forth between um, building direct consumer brands that leveraged. Um, kind of all the power that that um, and efficiency that technology and, and the internet provides, and and then also um, spent other you know um, stops building marketing technology to help aid other consumer brands take advantage of of the opportunities to grow faster, and um, and you know, that's certainly what we're doing right now with Posty. And as you mentioned prior to Posty, spent. Uh, about six years as as one of the the founding partners at a tech studio in Santa Monica that touched about seventy five different um, consumer internet companies. Certainly, Dollar Shave Club was was you know the you know uh, one of the gems of the portfolio. But um, we worked with businesses like 
um, Dog Vacay, and um, and uh, and we also worked with marketing technology platforms like uh, Hello Society um, that that help brands um, grow, leveraging new emerging digital technologies. Well, let's let's stay with what you did at at Science Tech Studios because there you helped nurture them, invested in them, and you know you said very early on in your career you had this exposure to how do you take an idea and and I always want to say you have, we talk a lot about proof of concept and you know I, I I've worked in both the the commercial space and the nonprofit space and so at the end of the day you, it can't only be a good idea it has to have a commercial value. So, so what are some of the things you've observed or that you would pass on as wisdom to people who are in that startup, early startup business building phase? I, I love that question. So uh, I, I try and think about um, uh, the, like businesses and opportunities and as, as, as Venn, Venn diagrams. And, and there's usually, um, you know, you know, one or two key um, attribute that you can kind of divide um, opportunities into. In, in the startup world, you know, I had this kind of front and center um, role to entrepreneurs bringing interesting ideas or, or sometimes not so interesting ideas. And, and I was able to, to really drop them into one or, two, one or two buckets. One of those buckets was um, really opportunistic. It was, there was a business model, there was an opportunity to make money, um, there was some exploit in the market that could be taken advantage of. And, and there, there's no shortage of businesses and entrepreneurs that build very successful, oftentimes highly profitable businesses um, in, you know, that, that came out of that um, mindset. The other half of the businesses were, were more um, uh, either disruptors or, or I would really think categorize them as problem solvers. They're entrepreneurs that felt some pain point um, in their life, in their career, um, and, and recognized that there was an opportunity to leverage you know, some new approach or new technology to, to build a better solution that, that, yeah, that alleviated that, that pain point. And, and what I, I realized is oftentimes that's a harder business to build, but those businesses more times than not have more staying power because they're, they're mission driven. Not, not every one of them may, you know, is out solving, you know, the greatest world's problems, but, but sometimes you find a problem that lots of people or businesses have. And by being able to launch a business with that mission, it keeps you very focused in, um, in, in investing in, in building your company to solve that problem and, and make sure that, um, that, that you are filling that, that need. And, and those businesses tend to have more staying power, they tend to be able to survive the, the challenges that, that inevitably come up with startups. And, 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 I, and I found tend to build and rally um, stronger teams because you're able to capture employees um, and talent who are also committed to that, to that mission. Whereas when you're building more opportunity-based business, um, oftentimes it's more financially driven and you may get some of those, those team members with that sparkle in their eye because they like reaching a certain level of success. But the minute that things become more challenging and the economics of that business turn a bit, um, you know, it, it, it can flame out very, very fast. So what are, if you had to pick two or three things when you say, I mean, because it's one thing to nurture startups. This is another thing to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put money into this. What are two or three things you look at in defining what you believe is going to be a successful business? Uh, 
there, there are, there's so many and some are, are easy to define and put on paper and others uh, are a bit more nuanced in that um, are unique to each specific um, potential investment. Mm-hmm. Certainly the boxes that need to be checked are in, in, in my, in, 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 you know, my assessment value is, is again, is there a real problem um, and a real need for, um, for someone to solve, you know, solve that problem you know, to the, you know, the investment world talks a lot about TAM, total addressable market size. Um, I hate being tremendously formulaic, but the reality is that if you're going to, you know, make a financial investment, or if you're going to encourage a, a smart group of, of entrepreneurs to focus on a specific problem, you want that problem to be big enough and you want their solution to be big enough that it can mm-hmm. be impactful and, and material. Um, you know, three, I am a business you know, person first, not just a technologist. And, and I do want there to be a clear business model. Um, and, and so when you put those three things together, there's certainly lots of nuances in each vertical, in each, um, you know, you know, in each group of individuals, but those are, are, are kind of the three core. Um, I, I would say I kind of skipped over probably the, the biggest because maybe I just take it um, for granted, but the, the team needs to be great. Uh, you know, you can have a, a great idea, a great addressable market, a great business model. And if the, if the founding team isn't capable, inspirational, motivating, um, you know, extraordinary, then, um, then that probably would be an investment I would pass on typically. Thanks for sharing those points. Let's talk a little bit about some of these, as you said, about 75 organizations you had the opportunity to steward and work with. Um, we can talk about Dollar Shave Club and what's really impressed them with you or one of the others that you've worked with, you know, that, you know, what do you think was that magic secret sauce that, that helped accelerate them faster? So the businesses that, that, that I saw succeed, um, uh, most dramatically were those businesses that, that, um, came along with an understanding that we were in this fairly transformative place where um, we had already kind of solved the direct-to-consumer commerce, um, you know, challenge. There were no shortage of ways to drive transactions. There were you know, no shortage of platforms where you could easily launch a good user interface mm-hmm. um, and a shopping portal or a service-based portal. Um, what really changed was the rise of, of social media. And we, you know, we talk about that in terms of um, kind of the fun and the entertainment value, but really what, what, it, what I think it, it provided was a platform for brands to more democratize the way that they communicate with consumers. In, in the past, certainly before the internet and, and more so before, before um, you know, social media, yeah, the way that a brand got to market was through some distribution channel, right? It was, you know, it was a, you know, a shelf or an end cap at a retail location and they could invest in brand building and awareness um, in their marketing, but they had to rely on a third party seller um, or platform to, to actually you know, generate the transaction for them. And, um, and first, you know, e-commerce came along and created the ability to sell direct to consumers, control that experience, optimize the way that your product was being presented, engaged, sold. Um, you, you could you could control each um, uh, you know step along the consumer engagement, mm-hmm. but you were still relying on, on fairly traditional, even digitally traditional advertising, 
which was very much about, you know, promotion and, um, and kind of blocking and tackling of, of, you know, of, you know, of short format, typically, you know, um, flat visual advertising, then all of a sudden, you know, the YouTubes of the world came along, the Facebooks of the world came along, and they created the ability to build engagement directly with those consumers, but use multimedia, both short and long-term, um, long-tail video, the ability to drive a conversation on those platforms, and really control your brand story. That, to me, that was the magic. And if you look at, at Dollar Shave Club, they came along at a time that YouTube was just becoming YouTube. Facebook, actually Facebook did not have a great ads platform, if any ad platform at, the, at that time. And, 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 and over the four years that, that, um, that we were involved with, with Dollar Shave Club at Science, we saw a brilliant marketer in, in Mike Dubin, um, you know, captivate uh, really the, the world through. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we all remember when that came out and went, is this for real? <laughs> it, it was mind blowing. And, 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 and uh, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't mind blowing in the content, you know, you know Mike's a, a phenomenal storyteller and has a ton of fun with it. He, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you see that he jumped, he, you know, he, he his voice jumps off, um, you know, audio and, and his likeness jumps off video. Um, but I think the, the, what, what was re- truly mind blowing is to see what, how, how fast distribution could be had organically by, mm-hmm. um, captivating, you know, the hearts of, of, of prospect consumers through, um, the, you know, storytelling in this new short form and, and mid form, um, you know, video and, and social platform. It, it couldn't have been done. I mean, Dollar Shave Club, I, I definitely don't believe could have been done 10 years prior. And quite frankly, to some extent, there's so much, you know, noise and social right now that I don't think it could be done right now. And I don't think, um, that, that Dollar Shave Club as a brand would have, would have had as easy a time cutting through the noise because, now they're competing with every potential disruptive entrepreneurial um, spirit trying to bring a new product to market, but every major fortune 500, 150 brand is investing you know, tremendously in budget and storytelling um, through social channels. And so there's just a lot more noise, a lot less and different. I, I think this is a great transition to what we said in, in kind of our, our two-part interview. And, and that's, let's talk about um, posty. And I, I like to let our listeners know if they happen to be near a laptop or a computer, the website is postie.com. And so Dave, tell us what posty is and what it does. So posty is, is a, uh, uh, a platform that allows marketers to run their direct mail advertising campaigns with the same level of tools and dynamicness as they do their digital channels. So the, the idea for Posty, you know, um, really came from that, that, you know, that organic pain point that, that I talked about before that I think defines uh, uh, a company that has potential for more staying power. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that, you know, look, front and center, I watch the power of, of social media. I watch Google's rise. I participated in it. I watched you know, Facebook's rise. I participated in it. There's no question that those platforms are phenomenal and, and, and give you, us as marketers you know, a tremendous um, advantage. But then I also lived through the oversaturation of those platforms, their rise of power, and, and you know, 
and to the point where uh, today, where uh, last last data point I heard was 85 cents on every dollar of digital media go go to Facebook and Google. And when you think about that, they're ad marketplaces, and the more advertisers that are are you know uh, investing in those those channels, the more expensive they become. The harder it becomes to um, differentiate yourself when advertising on those platforms. And the more important it is to look for additional supplemental ways or other you know, impactful, scalable ways to engage your consumers. Mm-hmm. But in, in a world that's kind of become so reliant on things like machine learning and rapid iterative test and optimization, that, that again, the Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world have, have, um, uh, have brought to us, when we look for another channel, we expect those same levels of tools and sophistications um, to allow us to, to be effective with, with how we launch and scale our marketing. And, and for us, you know, we started looking in, in you know, emerging digital channels and you know, there's certainly some great ones out there. It was certainly prior to TikTok and, and, um, and, um, and you know, we, were, we were trying to make channels like Pinterest work and Twitter work and Tumblr work. Um, and found some level of success, but but not nearly the scale that that Facebook or Google have. And so for us, that pushed us offline, and we started looking at these amazing, you know, big, powerful behemoth channels. Direct mail being one of them that reaches the entire addressable market, and we're really excited by the the potential. Uh, but the minute we started engaging with launching our own campaigns, we very quickly recognized that the level of sophistication technology and support that Facebook and Google provide, you know, we could not we could not harness in, in direct mail. And so Posty, um, you know, set out to try and solve that problem. Bridge yeah, the gap. And, I, and I'm listening to you because I think if, if I mean, I'm, I'm a longtime marketer. I love talking all things marketing. And and when you just kind of say, oh, I'm in the direct mail business, it doesn't sound that sexy and that it's, it's that exciting. But I, I love how your position is, is direct mail for digital marketers. And there are dashboards and tools like for people to go and, and take a look. But I, I think, Dave, you know, you can't underestimate the power of putting the brand in people's hands. And I think the, the interesting and disruptive brands, I mean, look at the success of boxes, right? You know, people love getting their, their boxes, whatever they're subscribed to for boxes. And, but it's not only that, it's, there's such creativity in the things that land in my mailbox today than, than there was even a, a decade ago. And that's what I love about what you all are doing is there's a variety of offerings and, and options. So tell us just a little bit more because let's let's make the idea of direct mail a little more sexy and intriguing um, because yeah. that's what you're doing. Sure, and, and look, and, that, and that's not lost on us, um, but but because of the the power and capabilities of it and what we've experienced mm-hmm. over the last five years, um, to, to me, nothing could be farther from the truth. It's a really fascinating, yeah, and and, and you know, exciting and dynamic channel. I, I would I want to touch on kind of two um, two focal points here based on what you just asked. So so first of all, we don't really think about ourselves as being in the direct mail business. And if you look at the the language that we use on our website and our own marketing materials, if you heard our team's internal meetings and conversations, if you hear you know if you're a customer prospect that's engaged with our sales team or our services team. 
I think you'll feel that as well. We, we, we really just think about Posty as, as another quantitative marketing platform. Mm-hmm. But we think about direct mail as just another quantitative um, way to engage your customers or prospects. And, and that's no different than how you should be thinking about Facebook or Google or programmatic. Um, it's, it's, you, know, you have a, a brand and you have a set um, addressable market of customers and prospects that you need to figure out ways to engage and delight. And, and sometimes you do that through your product, idea, ideally, right? That you're, you're delivering a great product that speaks for itself or a great service that speaks for itself. But you know, marketing is important too. You got you have to drive awareness and you have to build that relationship through through storytelling, messaging, and frequency. So when when we look at at you know, kind of the success in, in direct mail, certainly the the experience that you have with a, a consumer, the the weightiness of a tangible piece of advertising that they can engage with, that they can keep around on their coffee table, on their end table, on their refrigerator for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, is is powerful beyond hoping that they happen to pay attention when they're you know thumbing through, scrolling through an Instagram feed. Um, you, each of these channels play their part, but there's a reason why the the conversion rates of of a newsfeed ad are so fractional compared to the conversion rates of, of a direct mail ad. And, and you, you touch on this point that, you know, the, the direct mail of 30 years ago, you know, felt um, it wasn't inspiring the way that the content is, is landing today. And, and I think that, you know, that that's something that we take a lot of pride in where the, the quality of the ads, the imagery, the messaging, the quality of the, of the actual paper and ink um, and coding are, are comparable to the same expectation that you'd get from uh, a glossy you know, newsfeed ad or video ad. Uh, and, and the difference there is that back in the day before there were tools like, like Posty that helped you actually measure and understand what's working, leverage machine learning and big data to, to you know, target um, better, leveraging your first party data, what you as an advertiser know about your audiences. Um, the only way to optimize direct mail or the main way to optimize direct mail was cost. And so there are still you know, traditional direct mail buyers who really treat the channel like a procurement channel. They're, they're sourcing a direct mail campaign. But on Facebook, you're not sourcing a, a Facebook campaign. You're thinking about how to leverage data to, to optimize the way you engage consumers on that platform. Our customers think about direct mail the same way. They mm-hmm. think about um, you know, uh, posting enabling them to identify the audiences and the right messaging. And because of that, they're not optimizing to the least expensive way to get a piece of paper in the hands of a consumer. They're thinking about optimizing the most impactful way to engage their audience through this channel to deliver whatever KPI they may be measuring their performance against. And, and that's just a dramatically dichotomous you know, um, change that, 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 that we, we work to, to you know, enable um, in the marketing world day in, day out. Well, I appreciate that so much. And I, like I said, it, it's, I really encourage our listeners to just go take a, a, go take a look at the site and understand more because I do love, um, you know, the, the quantitative analysis. And when, like you said, that it's, it's, you're creating the tools that can make everybody smarter about their marketing spend. And anybody that's in business building today, whether you're a startup or whether you're leading a 50-year-old company, you know, we all need 
marketing and we all need um, an impactful way to reach that end buyer and, and noticeable. And that's why I said, I am a big believer in putting the brand in, in people's hands. And you're right. When something speaks to me, you know, you tend to keep it around. It, it, it doesn't make it into the trash very fast. You, um, you know, can move hearts and minds and souls uh, as well as move your product. I, Dave, I want to ask you, where do you go or, or look for inspiration today? I know we talked about, you know, you are not only a busy founder, business builder, um, you have a, a household there full of a family and, and children. Where do you go today to keep up with the news or get inspiration for business? Any podcasts, books? Well, I, uh, if I turn my, my, my camera right now, you'd see that there's a shelf here of about 2000 books. So I, I, I read like crazy. Um, and quite frankly, I, I try and find inspiration both through, um, you know, business books, through biographical reads and, and also through, through fiction. I think you can learn a lot through, through storytelling, um, you know, beyond just traditional media. Um, you know, certainly I read all the, 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 you know, the, the trades I, I spend more of my time focusing on, um, you know, the digital technology, um, mm -hmm. and emerging brand um, publications. Certainly, like everybody else, I'm on TechCrunch 14 times a day. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, they, I would say the main the main place that I look for inspiration really is through networking, and I highly encourage it, especially in in this you know this world um, that's still kind of plagued by a bit of um, you know self-inflicted isolation um, and some, some, you know, some real world challenges that we're dealing with. Um, it, it's important to figure out ways to engage with, with colleagues, with mentors. Um, and, and I'm fortunate in that we, we, we work with and engage with you know, thousands of different brands ranging from early stage series, you know, A and B, um, you know, venture funded businesses all the way up to fortune 40 companies. Uh, and, and I try really hard to build relationships with the C-suites of, of those companies. Um, they're on the front lines. They're, you know, they're day in, day out going through the war of what it takes to build a business, um, what it takes to improve upon um, in, in their technology layers and um, you know, in their marketing initiatives. Uh, and, and so you know, if you saw my, my Zoom calendar here, you would see me um, yeah, typically every half hour and a half hour, um, I'm either engaged in an internal meeting or an external meeting. So for, for me, it's more, it's more um, finding in individuals that can share real world experience. Well, thank you. And I, I, again, I appreciate the gift of your time because I do know it's valuable. If we were to come back and talk to you in, in the next uh, two or three years, what's the vision for Posty or, or what's the vision for you, Dave? Wow. Um, it's amazing. We used to ask about five and 10 year plans. Yeah. I can't it, do that anymore. <laughs> it's impossible. It's, it's it, the world changes way too fast. So I, I definitely think that time frame is spot on. I'll be honest, it, where I spend most of my time right now, it, it's, uh, it's thinking about developing our team. Mm -hmm. And we have an amazing team. The, you know, the reality is that our product, I, I, I think, is, is phenomenal and the technology is phenomenal. But the people that have been building it and teaching the world about it and helping clients leverage it and um, opening up new conversations with new clients, you know, that's what makes, I think, us a, a really special company. And, and each individual um, means a lot to, to Jonathan, my co-founder, and I. So 
you know, if, if we look back in, in two years, what I would like to see is everyone that's on the team today is still on the team and a promoted role, uh, feeling tremendously fulfilled, adding to the success of the company. Uh, and certainly by a byproduct of that, I believe if we do that, every client that we're currently engaged with will still be a client, will be a bigger client. Their businesses will be bigger because of some of the value that we provided. We do those two things and I'll be a very proud CEO. Dave, I just love when CEOs talk so fondly about their team. So um, thank you for doing that. That's a nice credit to them. So we need to close up. So for our listeners, if a part of Dave's story resonated with you or you think somebody else needs to hear it, please pass along this episode. Also go and find us and give us a nice positive review on your favorite podcast channel. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Dave, we need to, aside from the website, how can people connect with you? Uh, feel free. Uh, email uh, is is my, my inbox gets crazy, but I try my best to respond um, to, to all of, um, you know, legitimate, relevant um, inquiries. Um, so feel free to reach out to me at, uh, at Dave at posty.com. Uh, LinkedIn is also um, the, probably the one core social platform that I, I use religiously for, for business communication. So feel free to connect with me there as well. Well, thank you. And also listeners, you can connect with me at connect at allisonksummers.com and refer us to a great disruptive CEO and company founder that you think we should speak with. And again, Dave, it was wonderful having you as a guest. I, I truly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>